Hello, Maddie. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the FG-13 Space Station. How may I help you today? Maddie, this is so cool. We're the first podcast in space. I can't believe that we're the first podcast in space. Well, I, I mean, I can, but... This, it, is, this is actually pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool need, thing. You know what we could use right now, though, on, on the space station? Is, like, some music. Ooh, I, I bet you could ask the uh, the AI, Mike, oh, yeah, yeah, Mike yeah. Hal. Hey, hey, uh, uh, hello, Mike Hal. Hello, Maddie. Can you play Lady Gaga music, please? I cannot do that for you, Maddie. What? You can't play Gaga? What? It's just, she's like a gay icon. Now I can't just play it? Just play Gaga. This is the end. This is the end. Oh my god, the end of what? This is the end. Oh my god, what's going on? Oh my god, the alarms. What is going on? Uh, Maddie, we should probably get in the escape pod. Get in the escape pod, run! You better hurry up and tell them what episode we're on. It's episode 21 in space, no one can hear you podcast. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? I just want them to suffer. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you a century of space exploration, NASA has captured images of some of the most extraordinary things in the universe. Desolate planets, giant solar flares, and distant nebula. But they've also captured remarkable images closer to home. Objects which seem to defy explanation, flying just outside Earth's atmosphere. We see a couple of star-like things. Senior NASA astronauts remain disturbed by the phenomena they've seen. I do not know what that thing was, and I don't know what it is today. Welcome, everybody. It's that time again. It's episode 21 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Wow, 21. That's one. It's 20. Plus one equals 21. Yeah, it's old enough math, to drink math. now. And here's our little podcast. Yeah. And um, today, as you all know, we are a podcast that talks about horror in real life and horror in the media. And today, our horror segment is going to be all space. 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 The final frontier. 
um so yeah we're gonna do a bunch of stuff about space so it should be fun we've got a couple movies coming up later um event horizon and sunshine and we will be answering your questions today yeah you know space is a fun topic for me especially um because i love to think about space sure like, pretty deeply i have a tattoo i have a space tattoo on my arm it's true um, so, like, I'm really super fucking into it. Um, and so, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's especially fun this year, too, because this is, uh, 2019 is the uh, the 50th anniversary of man landing. Well, man and woman, you know, just all of us together. How about that? Humankind. <laughs> Humankind, yes. Landing on the moon. Ooh. Um, and so, there's been a lot of, you know, um, really interesting other podcasts. Like, there was a great podcast from the BBC, actually, called 13 Minutes to the Moon. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. It's wonderful. Hans Zimmer did the fucking music. Oh my for the gosh! Thing. It's so good. <laughs> Talk um, about having a budget. <laughs> seriously, I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. NASA released a new documentary. There's been a lot of other. It's like really great stuff around it, and it's been wonderful to watch. Ah, speaking of NASA, mm-hmm. I think that leads us into kind of our first little foray. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about a uh, a certain. A uh, German fella. A uh, 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 German fellow? Um, his name is Werner von Braun. And uh, put simply, we would not have made it to the moon right. um, as a country if it was not for Werner von Braun. The interesting thing about Werner von Braun is that he was a rocket scientist, but he came from Germany. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of folks came from Germany, of course, but he also just happened to be a member of the Nazi party. Yeah. And he also just happened to help the Nazis in a number of different ways with rocket science in terms of, you know, creating missiles and creating rockets that aided Germany during the war. You know, it's negligible um, what, you know, it's not negligible. That's not the word I'm looking for. It's, um, it's, hmm. It's uh, it's uh, it's inconclusive. All the things that he might have done, yeah. for Nazi Germany. But he was in the SS. But he was in the SS, yeah. And he was a member of the party. And it's it just you know there put simply we wouldn't have got there without him. And so it sort of like speaks about like a question that we've talked about before, right? Like it's sort of like art. Um, it's sort of like um, watching uh, the Usual Suspects mm-hmm. or a film like that, right? So it's like, what do you do with it? Yeah. You know, like Usual Suspects, great movie, but also fucking Brian Singer directed it and Kevin Spacey's in it. Like, how do you like distance yourself from those things? And it's kind of the same thing with this in a way. Like, yeah, but with rockets. How do we, yeah, but with rockets. <laughs> so it's like, you know, without like without technology that was developed like for the Nazis, right. we wouldn't have gotten to the moon. So like it's almost like what do we do with that? But then like it, there's no way that we can go back in time. Like right. someone's someone like, oh my god! Like thank God we did this thing. But what did we have to like trade off morally to do it? You know, it's 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 a weird kind of strange medium right yeah, there. Totally, and it's something that's a sort of like morally gray area. It's very yeah. weird. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I don't want Nazis at all. Yeah. So there's yeah, that. Nazis but, suck. No um, Nazis in space. That should be the rule. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, has there been? <laughs> well, I, I hope not. Um, there's definitely been Russians, but fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with him, uh, I think we owe him a. a I don't want to say a debt of gratitude. That's not the right word, but um, a, a a place in the history books for sure. developing the technology that he did that got us, you know, into the space race. You know, I will say in the podcast that I mentioned, 13 Minutes to the Moon, they do delve into the the problem of Werner von Braun. Because mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's, a it's, it's a moral problem, right? And so you have to sort of, you know, just deal with it as a, as a, as a moral human being, 
an ethical person. Um, and they, they do delve into it quite a bit. You hear a lot of uh, recordings from him, a lot of things that, that he said on his own. Um, I mean, it's definitely host, an interesting topic. It, yeah. it's, it, it's entirely interesting. And, you know, it's... Um, it's incredible, you know, and a lot of the science that we have today that, that we're, you know, that, that make things work the way that we know them to be, our networks, our Wi-Fi, our, the internet, you know, all of that was developed, uh, you know, not, not in, you know, large part or all because of, but, you know, these are all things that happened because of the space age. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, people around the world started to dream in a much bigger way and decided, yeah, we will go to space and we right. will do the other things, but we will go to the moon mm-hmm. and we will land ourselves there and it will be the biggest human endeavor we've ever taken part in. Unless you're that guy from uh, Room, whatever, Room 237 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> Sorry, exactly. the, there's a documentary out there all about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and one of the, the conspiracy theories out there is that he was trying to tell people through that movie that uh, yeah. he staged the moon landing on a soundstage. Yeah, no, that 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 is not true. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not I'm not going to stand for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, an interesting thing too that um, that I, I recently read about about us landing on the moon. Um, somebody did sort of like a statistical count of everything of all the resources that it really took to sure. land on the moon, and um, they said that it was actually the result of four hundred thousand people. Wow. Like 400,000 people actually around the world. It's a lot of jobs. It's a ton. 400,000 people around the world and in America worked together in some way, shape, or form to make the thing actually happen. Interesting. And countless man hours. And, And they were talking, too, about how, like, you know, NASA was so different then. And like there was no like I mean like the like, the forty hour week was obviously a thing yeah but also like the countless man hours that got put in it's almost like the, the, there's there's no way we can ever know actually how much it really cost to make yeah that they, thing I don't think they really happen. and I mean honestly given that time and place they probably didn't even think about exactly. it at the time that they should even be tracking like right. what, what this is gonna take. totally right, right. we were on a mission. And we were trying to beat other countries to yeah. the moon, and that's all they cared about. Yeah, and you know, and, and Apollo Eleven just did something just insanely incredible, and um, it's just if, for me, who's a I'm, I'm just a space nut. Yeah, it just it makes my heart like just sing, and and it takes me honestly like, you know, it takes me sort of beyond the moral problem, um, and that's that's something that I have to sort of reckon with myself. Sure, but, you know, here we are. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? So, um, in doing some of my research, I came across a little um, mission to the space station, to the Russian space station. Ooh. It is uh, the Soyuk, Soyuz, so- Soyuz, 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 Soyuz. Um, ele- 11. Okay, yeah. Um, so, these guys... And what, uh, what year was this? This was in 1971. Okay. Um, they were the only, they were the first manned mission to anchor to the space station and spend time on the space wow. station. Um, up until that point, they had sent either ones out there that were, that were there were manned, but they couldn't land on it. There was like a problem where they couldn't hook up to it or whatever, but there had never been anyone that was like actually up there. Yeah. So these were the first guys. So pretty big deal. Their whole mission up there was that they were up there to kind of observe a rocket launch. Huh. So from earth. So Russia was going to set off a, a, a missile, essentially a rocket. And they were there to just kind of observe it and be huh. like, see it from space, new angles, see it how it looks performs. good from yeah. up here, comrade. <laughs> um, it looks very fun. The unfortunately, way you shoot it. Um, they uh, they the launch was delayed, so they never even got to do their mission. What? 
But they did say that like one of the one of the things that happened up there is like what they were mandatory that they had to do a treadmill twice a day. That was like mandatory exercise. Sure. But yeah. th- it was so new technology and such new a- an area for the Russians that the whole space station would shake when they would be <gasps> on these treadmills. Oh so pretty terrifying in and of itself. Jesus. But unfortunately, um, on their way back down into re-entry, um, a valve, um, an oxygen valve that was going to the outside bust open, <gasps> and they were asphyxiated inside. Oh, my God. Um, they were found when they landed on, in their little, what do you call it, that little pod, Okay, the sure. security pod, and yeah. um, they knocked on the thing. Nobody responded. They oh opened it, God. and they were all, all three of them were dead. They had blood coming out of their <gasps> eyes and their ears, um, and they had, like, weird bruises, purple spots on them. It's very tragic, and... Um, Luckily, with asphyxiation of this kind, um, they die within like a minute. Like Jesus. it's it's a painful death, but it is quick. Um, but it's the reason I'm telling you this Oof. is because, funny enough, this is the only people that has ever died in space. Oh my god! It's the only people because all the other ones that have even happened were either like parachute didn't go off or yeah. like the Challenger, like those kind of things that weren't sure, in space sure, yet. Sure. So kind of just an interesting story about how they huh. were the only death in space. Um, they have a memorial now. It's like uh, three etched faces of the, of the three guys. In Russia? In, in, where they... Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah, that's my kind of my story around those Russian guys that died a horrible death. But um, it just kind of shows you that, you know, these kind of technologies and stuff, when we were still figuring it out, were so, they had to be so precise. And I guess that their captain before that had told them, you need to do the the valve manually because it it could malfunction if you do it automatically. So make sure. And he was like, I I don't know what happened if they just were in a hurry and didn't do it right or whatever happened. But well, I mean, you know, similar things happen for the Americans too. I mean, Apollo one burned, Mm -hmm. um, you know, late, much later on challenger would, would explode in the sky. Right. And we would, you know, come to discover that the smallest error, you know, what you think is just, you know, a pin drop actually becomes a wave. Well, it's one of those things you can tell, it a million times and it only takes a million and one sure i mean it's it's you know it's 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 astonishing the the ingenuity of human engineers to create something that is just so incredibly complex and they go over you know just like you said like you know a thousand a thousand times but Mm -hmm. you know just that's that thousand and first where things go wrong um but they think about so many different permutations of like what scenarios could happen yeah. and it's always that one that they just don't think about right. you know, that one panel that right. one screw that one washer right. you know the one valve whatever it is yeah i think is. this was literally uh, a pin didn't fire correctly uh, you know it's just it's just one thing and you know it's a, it's such a sad thing you know for for our um uh, for our species really the animosity between you know America and Russia back then and mm-hmm. well and today of course too but you know but but it's it's a it's a strangely it's a strange byproduct how that animosity produced such ingenuity on both sides you know yeah. both sides were racing each other to it's get kinda the like, space um, to do it it's kind of like like competition makes you it makes you strive harder you yeah, know what i mean exactly like, right but i mean that's and they and of... and they did and they did and, and you know and and both sides had you know pretty amazing um pretty amazing feats in space and made very interesting and, and amazing things happen for, you know, humanity in general. Well, speaking of astronauts, I have a couple of like weird things oh, that yeah. I, Bring it I on. read about. Are they scary? So, 
I mean, I think they are. We'll see what you, okay. what your thoughts are. Um, the okay. first one is that, um, did you know that in space, because water is such a limited resource, uh-huh. you have to essentially drink and drink your own pee and sweat. So y'all saying I got to drink my pee. And it's, I mean, it's filtered, of course, but just the thought of that, like knowing, and there was this guy, Scott Kelly, he spent a year in, in, in space. Well, Scott Kelly is uh, the husband of... Um... Uh, what's her face from from the the congresswoman that got shot? Oh, Scott Kelly is the husband of uh, I can't remember her name now. The, I don't know the congresswoman. I'll I'll look her up. Okay, wonderful, um, wonderful person. But he was in space for approximately a year, so he consumed approximately seven hundred and thirty liters of recycled urine and recycled um, sweat. That is, what was that number again? 730 liters. So he drank 730 liters of his own piss. Yep, pretty much. Uh, so, by the way, Gabby Giffords is her name. Oh, okay. Gabby Giffords, Scott Kelly is, is her husband. Um, wow, he drank his own pee. Yep. You and know, an, minus the pee part, but but the water stayed. Yeah. So no pee, but water. I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, I get, I'm following what you're putting wow. down. But, um, wow. And then the other thing about Scott Kelly is that, so he has a twin. Oh, it's and right, when yeah. he came back from his mission, he was actually two inches taller than his twin. Do you think his twin was pissed about that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think his twin was like, "Oh, great! So you went to space and you got taller. You, you not only got to go to space, bitch. but you got taller." Oh, great, great! Thanks a lot, Scott. Um, but then also his gut bacteria and his his genes were completely different. What? Yeah, his genes were different. What do you mean his genes were different? I don't know. He, it's, girl, he bought Levi's? His, oh, a gene expression changed. Huh. Excuse me. So, like, his actual, like, DNA changed? Yeah. The, exp- the way they're expressed. How does his motherfucking DNA change? I don't know. It's it, They kind of just chalked it up to this is space, the results of space travel. So, what you're actually saying is that he's an alien now. Or he was, or an alien abducted him while he was up in the air and then he took his place so he got probed yeah. is what you're trying to say anally probed yes. probably okay so he got anally probed and, and just now to his tell dna our, just to tell our listeners um we won't be talking about aliens today because we're yeah. saving that for its own episode yeah yeah I mean, we're, it's space but it's it's not alien space we'll talk more about aliens later on because we have a whole lot to talk about with aliens yeah. Um, okay, so so anal probing. Sure. Back back to that. Okay, Scott so we got Kelly. anally probed. So yeah, those are kind of the two interesting things that I saw that came out of like being in space for too long, I guess. Huh. Interesting. But. Space is something that both um, gives me hope. Okay. And what, I guess what I mean by that and is also like, terrifies you. Yeah, it totally <laughs> terrifies me because like it gives me hope because like. I I think about like how big like the universe is yeah. and like how small we are in like the midst of all of it, and then I'm just like, oh god, you know what? Actually, whatever mistakes I've made, they really kind of just like don't really matter. And, well, like, I like, mean, and, they like, matter and, like, in how you affect people. But, but no, 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 no. I mean, like, I mean, like in like the grand scheme of things, the the small things that I think are so big, they really are like so small, actually. Yeah, um, I get it. I guess I just don't like to think of it that way because then it feels like nothing matters. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> and then I start I think, to go down that road. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's up for you to decide, right? But like for me, that's helpful to think, like you know, like oh yeah, like you know what? It, it, I, I know that like there are things that I would maybe change, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, life is as it should be. And We're then doing also, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that you know, that's hopeful. But then there's also the scary part, thinking about absolutely how gigantic. 
and unfathomable the universe is and probably and honestly probably how much we don't know oh entirely and how we don't know the universe how the universe reacts and how it's changing and how uh, literally a meteor could come down at any moment and we would have no idea until like right right when it's coming in so so you know with with that in mind i put together sort of maddie's list of like the five like for me the five most terrifying things about space let's hear it and so i'd like to posit them to you and we can talk about each one i think um, and the first one is this. Okay, so like, you know, you know, like the Big Bang, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like the Big Bang is like how the universe started, you know, or so we think it's still a theory, but you know, it's probably right, whatever. So like everything comes from that Big Bang, right? And so everything, it, it, the, the shape of the universe is sort of like a, it's sort of like a big cone in a way. And it shot out from the Big Bang and it just keeps going. Yeah. Like, like, like the earth is actually like not in one place. Like we're, we're moving right now. Yeah. Everything is moving at like at like a sort of an unfathomable speed towards like whatever we're going toward, which we don't. And know. <laughs> that's the first thing that I want to talk about is we are the universe is ever expanding all the right. time. What is it expanding into? I don't know. And that's I don't the know. question that I have. Does that kind of freak you out though? Yeah, it does. I mean, and just knowing that the Earth is like. I don't know, just just the status of the Earth, like what do you it, mean? like that like, anything like, like climate change like, kind of thing. No, I, I'm not talking about interiorly. Okay. I'm talking about exteriorly. So, like when you say like we're moving at all times, like what we're moving towards, yeah. nobody's like really thinking about that. We're thinking about like, oh, Donald Trump's making a crazy speech again. Right, you know, right, like sure. it's just crazy to think like if you think outwardly like that, and you're like, okay, well, a meteor could come, like a literally sure. a solar flare could like eat right. us up in a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, terrifying. No. Oh, we'll get there. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, for me, like the thought of, you know, like how like the universe is really all that we can really wrap our brains around. Sure. Like we can, we can understand that. But then like there is something else that we're expanding into. Yeah. This darkness, this dark void where there could be other universes and where there probably are, you know, where physicists, you know, think that there are multiple universes. And, you know, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I think like, I read that... Your brain can't even handle it. I think I read that at some point in, in you know, tomorrow, yeah. down the line, that completely the whole sky will be just black. I mean... Like, there won't like, be any what stars. what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, no fucking stars. Like, ooh, right. <laughs> So, there's number one. My next one is this. Astronauts hear music in space. Is that is that pretty typical because of radio waves? Well, we don't really know. All I know is this. I happen to know someone who's connected to the last man to walk on the moon. His oh. name was Gene Cernan, a NASA astronaut. Okay. And on his last walk on the moon, um, there's a transcription of, of, of course, what all the astronauts on that mission were talking about. And there were three of them. I forget the others' the others' names now, but... They don't uh, matter. Right. <laughs> but Gene Cernan, within that transcript, mentioned... he was. It was along the lines of, like, hey, do you hear that? And and everyone was like, what do you hear? And he's like, uh, there's whistling. It sounds like music. Hmm. And he even says within that transcript, it sort of sounds like real spacey music. And he even what? goes like, ooh. Like a, what do you call and, that That instrument? A theremin? A theremin, right, right. And he heard something on the moon. He heard 
music on the moon. And he's not the only astronaut to have ever reported I'm wondering that. if that has something to do with, like, waves. I, I mean, it very well could. I mean, the, you know, one thing is that sound does not exist in space. Oh, that's true. So, I forgot you know, about that. Space is entirely silent. So hmm. because there's no oxygen, there's no, there's, no, there's no waves for sound to really travel through. It doesn't actually happen. So both of our movies so, later are completely incorrect. Yeah, oh, oh, entirely. I mean, as as most space movies are, right? But like, it's it's a it's a very strange phenomenon. But also, too, like Gene Cernan was not going to lie about that. Gene Cernan was a devout Catholic, is a very religious person. Um, he, you know, military guy. Sure. Like, there's no reason for him to lie, especially because you know, for astronauts back then, like the last thing that they wanted to be, you know, labeled as was crazy, crazy. in yeah. any way, because it would mean the end of their career so like it's very strange but that is what some astronauts have reported okay next number three the next thing i want to talk about again that i sort of mentioned earlier is your place in the cosmic timeline it's so infinitesimally small it, it, it it's basically meaningless except in the context of our own world okay. and so like you know our lives mean something here on earth right but like then think about right now there are trillions of other planets out there right now, literally trillions, yeah. probably even more than that, where there could be other societies that, you know, look nothing like us, but are wondering the exact same thing. Yeah. And so it's, just, it's, 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 it's both thrilling and also kind of scary to think about how important we think our lives are here just because of who we are and where we are. Right. But then think about it in context of everything else. Yeah. And doesn't that freak you out? Totally. I mean, I don't even know. It's actually like space for me when I am doing a lot of this research and like thinking about these kind of things. It starts to like make me um, anxious. Like it starts to make like gives me like a little bit of like anxiety. Are you having an anxiety now? No, just because I've been we've been doing this for a whole week, like reading up on it and everything that I kind of have made peace with it. Sure. It's when I start to think too hard about it is when I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, God, oh, I can't do this. I can't go to work. I can't do anything. I mean, it's it's a little terrifying. What's your what's your number four? The next thing I have is that um, so you know about black holes, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I, I think all all of our listeners do too. So there happens to be one black hole. I was gonna the, I was gonna throw a hole joke in there, but the, I just let it go. Listen, listen. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not that big of a hole anymore. Um, so this black hole is named B. Three one seven one five plus four two five. Oh, and, yeah! I think I went to right, uh, sure. school with that. <laughs> you, you you know about this black hole. So B three one seven one five plus four two five. This particular black hole is actually not a black hole that's just like sitting around. This black hole is roaming through space, like literally going rogue all over the fucking place. And like eating things? Yes. And what they think happened was like this particular black hole in the dark matter of the universe, Mm -hmm. like somehow got slingshotted off of like a binary star kind of thing. And is now. I don't know any of those things. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, neither do I really, but just like follow along. So it got slingshotted off, and now it's just like ping ponging around space right now and gobbling up shit as it fucking goes. And it's traveling at a speed of literally like millions of miles an hour. Like in what direction? No one fucking knows. Oh, like it's just like okay. going it's like going crazy. Like it could come to here like you know fucking tomorrow. It's absolutely insane. Oh weird. But I didn't think know about that. that. There's a there's a black hole just going, going rogue, rogue <laughs> right now. Like that that is that's absolutely terrifying. It's like the wild west you know? and so good luck fucking sleeping tonight everybody. Have a have a good, you know, good night. 
Um, but then also, my final thing that I want to talk about is this. And it is about something you mentioned earlier, which is a solar flare. Yeah. And so solar flares are actually pretty common. But when solar flares go off from our only star that's closest to us, of course, the sun, the center of our solar system, um, when they go off, it usually causes something, you know, some sort of like uh, problems with, with radio waves on Earth, problems with Wi-Fi, problems with the internet, okay. problems with phones, yeah. that sort of thing. <clears throat> there are plenty of scientists who predict that the next giant solar flare, which another one similar happened in the 19th century, when that next one happens, it's going to be the end of a lot of shit, including a little thing called the internet. Mm. And if the internet goes out, it's a lot more than just your email. Right. It's a lot more than just accessing fucking like Pornhub. I mean, it's honestly, it's like a major portion of our infrastructure now. It's what it's everything, everything is built revolves into. on. It's food systems. It's transportation. It's defense. It's literally everything. So imagine a world right now where the internet just suddenly stopped existing. Yikes. You wouldn't be able to call people. You wouldn't be able to order food. You wouldn't be able to even get food because the logistics systems that run on the internet wouldn't even work Are they saying just the anymore. internet or like a total blackout? It would be sort of like a total blackout. Okay. And so it would cause such destruction on the earth that havoc would reign. Havoc would rule. There would be riots everywhere. There would be war. There yeah. would be There would be famine. There would be problems beyond our imagining right now. And it would mean the deaths of millions of people. So have a good night tonight, everyone. Meanwhile, the people that are li- living in the jungle, they're like, we're good. Yeah, they're like, uh, that's fine. <laughs> Told never, you so. Never had it. We're still here. We're here in oh Brazil in the Amazon. Leave us alone. Did you ever have um, an acronym in um, school to remember the planets? <sighs> I did. I forgot it, though. Do you remember yours? I think it goes, like, my very excellent mother just served us nine pizzas. Wow. Yeah. That's when we had Pluto, of course. That's incredible. I used to remember the uh, the acronym for um, for the kings, the, the, the houses of, of kings in England. <laughs> you have a very different life than me. Yeah, I know. I've already forgotten it. But yeah, those are my those those are my like top scary things that I think about when I think it's about space. It's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. It's place. a little terrifying, yeah. but also fun to think about. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to think about these films that we've picked as well. Yeah. So um, I think that will end our horror in real life yes. segment. And uh, we horror in take... real space. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Anyways, okay. Came a little late. Go but, ahead. Um, we'll take a break, and you'll hear some stuff, and then we'll be back to answer your questions. Questions. Anybody else want a whiskey? Yeah. All right, look. Pay attention, everybody. Wadsworth, am I right in thinking there is nobody else in this house? Mm, No. Then there is someone else in this house. No, sorry. I said no meaning yes. No meaning yes? Look, I want a straight answer. Is there someone else or isn't there yes or no? Um, no. No, there is or no, there isn't? Yes. Please! Welcome back, folks, to uh, another edition of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. And we are coming at you with a segment we haven't had for a little while. No. And it's called Queerstions. Queerstions. Sounds like questions, but it's actually Queerstions. Um, and it's sort of the same thing, because a Queerstion is actually a question 
but it just it sounds better for us if we call it question. Anyways, um, we're going to ask each other some questions here. And these or all some... came from you, lovely That's listeners true. These, out in social media yeah, land. These came from real people like you. In fact, you're probably listening right now. And we're going to answer your questions. Um, and so we're just going to pose them, and then we're both going to answer them. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. So here's the first one. Uh, and this comes from our dear friends at the Thanks for Coming uh, podcast. Uh, these folks talk all about RuPaul's Drag Race. They're awesome. They're really cool. We're going to see a couple of them at Horror Hound um, in September. Um, so the question, the, oh, pardon me, the question is this. If you got shipwrecked on an island and you could only listen to one artist, who would you pick? Tori Amos or Joni Mitchell? I feel like this is a question tailored to you. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it basically is. But what's your choice? Uh, you, Joni, you Joni Mitchell. Two. Joni Mitchell, for sure. Okay, yeah. Um, it's a difficult question for me because I, I really do love them both. Um, I can't imagine not listening to either of them. But, Gotta pick. But I guess, I guess what I'm going to pick here is probably Tori. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is just because, like, Tori has... Um, it's not that she has a wider uh, musical uh, catalog than Joni, because she doesn't, but she has maybe more of a range than Joni. Joni is, is like, bar none, my favorite singer-songwriter of all time. But, like, Tori is, um, her styles can really change pretty dramatically. So I think I would pick Tori just for some variety if I'm okay. going to be stuck out in the middle sure. of fucking nowhere. Uh, the, the second part of this question also is, also, which male celebrity would you pick to feed you grapes in a loincloth as you enjoyed the music? Good question. Um, I think I'd want them to be gay. Okay. So that I'd go there. Maybe like, oh gosh. I mean, I but if know. it's just you out there, like eventually they're going to have to give in at some point. Right? No, that, that's not how that works. I'm just saying it could. <laughs> um, I think I would probably go with Matt Bomer. Okay. All right. I like that. That's a good one. Um, so, so I'm picking a gay one. You don't have to. It's your. It's yeah, your no, island. No, no, I know. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pick gay. I'm going to pick Zac Efron. Of course I am. Okay. Because it's the one chance that I have. So (laughs) it's me and him on a deserted island. That works. All right. Sounds good. You want to ask the next one? Sure. This comes from Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique on Twitter. Uh, sexiest Dracula, not just vampire, but actual Dracula. Okay. That is an interesting question. Um, it's actually sort of difficult to think about a lot of different people who have played Dracula, Dracula. Like, you know, like you were saying earlier, like Bella Lugosi, of yeah. course, but then also like Gary Oldman and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, and like, I'm going to be pretty definitive. I think Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the, you know, the 90s version, I forget who directed it. I can't think of it right now for the life of me, but um, Gary Oldman is fucking awesome as Dracula. Yeah. He is so fucking cool in that role. I don't the think whole- I've seen that movie enough. Oh, God. The mo- I mean, it's fucking awesome, right? The music is awesome. Anthony fucking Hopkins is in it. Keanu Reeves, when he was still cute, Keanu Reeves was in it. <laughs> Gary Oldman is fantastic. Winona Ryder. I mean, it's it's such a great film. But I think in particular, the way that Gary Oldman does Dracula is just fucking right on, dude. Okay. So I give me give me Gary Oldman. All right, I am gonna go a little more um, newer and Ooh. say uh, Jonathan Rhys Meyers because he was on that one season of Dracula on TV where he played okay. Dracula. Um, but I did struggle with maybe picking the um, Dracula depicted in Dracula two thousand. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's like Gerard Butler, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, there's th- my that, answer. That's not bad either. That's yeah. not bad either. 
Um, the next movie, uh, the next movie, the next movie, the, the next, the next Christian is um, from Plinio. This is then uh, this folk. This this person is on Twitter. It's at Plinio uh, underscore Buzato. Um, I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly, so forgive me if I'm not. Uh, but Plinio says, "Would a Scream movie reboot be welcome in today's political climate, uh, with mass shootings almost becoming a normal thing, or be all too real?" So could we do? I think what 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 we're saying here is, could we do Scream again now in the same political climate that we're in with all that we've been through? Would it would it would it read the same? I you're you're a scream fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no to scream specifically, just okay. because I feel like it's kind of been done to death at this point. I mean, we've had two TV shows, we've had four movies. You know, it's constantly being rumored that there's gonna be another movie. So I, I don't think a scream would work. But if you look at that genre, I mean, we just had Halloween last year, Fair and that enough. did really well. So I think there is still an appetite for that kind of movie with two more Halloween films coming out. Right? Now. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I, I suppose I I agree with you. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think we need another scream. No. Like, I mean, I think it's, honestly, I think it's fine as it is. Yeah, just like go back and watch those movies. Well, and also (laughs) like, I mean, like reboots are, reboots and reimaginings are one thing of films that are like old. Yeah. But Scream's not old. Old. I mean, like, yeah, it was, it was a little bit ago in like contemporary memory, right? But like, it's not old by any means. Like, I mean, Halloween part one is old now. That's old. But like a re- and a reboot of that is something very different than a reboot of Scream. That, I think that's very different. If, if you want my totally honest and complete conclusion to the, all yeah, that, I, I think let's take all of the classic, you know, slasher people and just like leave them alone and come up with something new. I mean, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for a re- for a reimagining here and there. I just but think like, it's like a money grab unless it's really intentional. I don't, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I understand why they do it. I just don't want them to. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. This is, comes from Joey. Oh my gosh. I don't, I can't pronounce it. Anasakis. Oh, that's, that's Joey Anasakis. That's probably pretty good on Twitter. Um, fuck, Mary kill. Uh, I think you mean, uh, hook up, hack up or, or, or shack, shack up. up. Yeah. Whatever. We <laughs> Which say. we never get right. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's uh, between Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Oh, this is very easy for me. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, so fuck Mary Kill. I will kill Donald Trump. I will fuck Joe Biden, and I will marry uh, my dreamboat Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Simple. Um, I'm gonna go kill Donald mm. Trump. Um, I'm probably just gonna. It's hard for me, but I'm probably just gonna fuck Bernie Sanders and J- marry Joe Biden because Joe Biden's like kind of just like dump do dump, and I don't have to like really like think about a lot with him. The, Whereas with Bernie, I would constantly be having conversations. That is be that, exhausting. That, that is true. <laughs> Um, cause Joe Biden is definitely derpy as derpy yeah, exactly. these days for sure. Um, okay. So next question comes from one of our dearest friends in the book. Her name is Casey. Um, on Instagram, you can find her at Casey style. That's K A C Y S T Y L. Um, and her question is very easy. It is. What are your favorite biscuits? I think this is a personal one to me because I went on a diatribe last so. weekend about biscuits. But um, <laughs> So what are your favorite biscuits? Um, in Chicago, my favorite ones are probably either the ones from um, Bang Bang Pie, mm-hmm. um, but I also really like Bud Longs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I am all with you on that. My, with a little bit of honey butter. Oh, without course. a doubt. My favorite biscuit is Bar None Bang Bang uh, Pie. Pie and Biscuit Company here in Chicago, Illinois. It is just so good. happens to be less than a block away from my apartment. 
Um, I get that biscuit with butter and with an egg on it and with jam. Yum. And it is I want that right fucking now. delicious. It is incredible. So, like, I know all the people in the South think they got biscuits covered. Trust me. These northerners have biscuits, but there's a lot of there's a lot of bad biscuits too. Oh, without a doubt. But Bang 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 Pie Company has it done. It's so so good, so good. All right, so our next one comes from Yoda three two seven eight on Instagram. Um, Hi guys, is there a female celebrity that you have a crush on? That oh wow, that's a great. I definitely have one that I've had for a long time. You go first. What's yours? Kristen Bell. Um, Kristen Bell, I just think she has like the kind of personality that would carry me through. (laughs) And um, I've been in love with her ever since Veronica Mars. So fair enough. Um, Let's see. Okay. Female crush, female celebrity crush. Um, When I was a kid, my female celebrity crush used to be Lisa Bonet. Like, oh my god! By far, I totally thought Lisa Bonet was like the coolest girl. The cat's pajamas. The I, seriously, like, like if somebody's like, "Who's cool?" I'm like Lisa Bonet. She's so that she's so, so cool. Like, I thought she was so cool. Today, I don't know if I really have a celebrity crush. Just because I don't, I don't really think about women in terms of like crushes, right? I I I um I admire women. Women are are some of my deepest friends, my closest friends. Crush though, I don't know if I really have one. I guess if I were if I were to have to pick one, like who's this like smoking? Um boy. Or maybe like somebody that's more like androgynous. Oh, fair enough. Um Oh, it's so hard. Why is it so hard for me to pick things? Um I This guess is I, why we don't do questions. Very I know, often. seriously, because it's hard for us to like actually be decisive. I guess for me I'm probably gonna pick like um Courtney Barnett. Because she's wonderful. She's a musical artist. I'm like, I don't even know who and that she's, is. And she's, she's pretty famous in, in like the indie world. She's awesome. Oh, the indie world. She's world. smoking. <laughs> um, her music is wonderful. I got to see her um, live in Indianapolis a few months ago. Uh, she opened for the National. Just absolutely incredible, wonderful person, Courtney Barnett. She's wonderful. Cool. What's the next one? The next one is... Oh, here we go. This is an interesting question. Um, this is from Ian C. Birch on Instagram. Uh, and here we go. How many jock straps are an appropriate number for a 41-year-old homo to own? Just a ballpark number. I think that's whatever you are comfortable with, my friend. Yeah, you know, and and Ian, who I happen to know personally, I'm going to say that the number might be the number 3 for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There are the three <laughs> jock straps that you need. Okay. Next question. Um the next question comes from Oh, I'm just e- going to spell it. E-I-P-J-D. <laughs> it, was, it was really awesome and really nice to us. Wonderful. talks yeah. to us on uh, Instagram all the time. But there's no, um, there's no way to pronounce that, though. <laughs> just, there's not enough vowels in there for me to pronounce that. Um, he just asked, how are you guys doing? You know, that's a great question. Um, do you want to go first? I, how are you doing? I, I'm doing fine. I'm ready. What do you mean by that? I'm I'm just tired. That's yeah. all. Um, but yeah. um, I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah. Um, but things are looking up. Yeah. So. I I feel you. Um, how am I doing? Um, <laughs> I am doing well. You know, I this has been a really busy summer for me. Um, I am training for the marathon, and you know, Andrew's done that before too. So we, you know, he knows how 
how tired you get yeah. after a mm-hmm. while. You know, like you hit a point in the summer in your in your marathon training where just like every day you're just you're really tired. That's when I would just start to like listen to books on, exactly. on Audible or whatever. <laughs> and it's just you know it's it's a bit of a slog. You know, I really love running, but that's a lot. I um, you know, I just had my birthday actually yesterday. You know, as of recording this, um, and that was a lot of fun. So I've just turned thirty-seven, and like you know, I don't feel old by any means, and thirty-seven isn't old. But like you know, you your body starts to feel the way that it feels, yeah, right? So sure. like, that's just how it is. And you know, I love my my job that I've been at now for six months officially, and that that's wonderful and great. Um, but also, like you know, it's a really busy thing. So like, yeah. you know, I've had a real like, you know, and of course, my my usual social life and all my friends and all my family and everything that I love so much, you know, everything has just kind of come together this summer in a lot of different ways. Um, and I've been really, really busy. So I am, uh, you know, on the scale of one to ten on exhaustion, I'm like at eleven. Yeah, but I, I hear just, just keep chugging along because you know all of it, all of it's good. Yeah, everything is so good and fun and wonderful. Um, but also, fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. It's tired. I'm tired. We's tired. What's an S question? All right. Um, why oh, don't you go? Oh, the, oh, the, yeah, this is me. So this is from Nikki Needs an Adult. Nikki Needs an Adult is one of our dearest friends on Twitter. Um, always, always fun to, to, to interact with. Um, and Nikki's question is, um, is basically this. Um, uh, if you're an out person, um, if you're an out LGBT person, how do you essentially like not, like feel like that's not, not the only thing that you're known for? Yeah, um, and well, so I think know, I think what she means is like before you come out, it's like you're like, oh god, I'm, I'm going to come out and it's going to be the only thing that people can like think about me, and then you actually come out right. and you're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Like, but I don't know. I mean, I guess like for me, it's um, you know, it's been so long since I've come out. Yeah, like it's sort of a difficult question for me to answer. I, the only thing that I would say basically is, um, you know, for me being being an LGBT person, being you know specifically being gay, is uh, a, an intrinsic part of who I am. Sure. And there are plenty of people that I've met who are like, "Oh, it's just you know, it's a part of who I am. It's not everything." And I'm kind of like, actually, for me, it's a whole fucking lot. Yeah, it defines a lot about me. It defines me politically. It informs how I interact with the world. It informs who I love and 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 what I desire. There's a lot of my body and my being and my existence that is that is largely defined by how I how I identify as a you know a, a gay person in in the LGBT world. And so for me, it's a huge part of who I am. And if people want to see me as, you know, hey, that's Maddie. He's the gay guy. You know what? That doesn't offend me. I'm actually, I'm great with that. Like, if you see me as as one of the biggest parts of the the piece of me that I identify with, I'm happy about that. I'm proud of it. And, like, I hope that I can inspire others to, like, also identify strongly with who they are as a marginalized person because um, it's really important. Uh, I think for me, I think mine's just kind of come with age um, yeah. and knowing that there are things now that I've affected in other people's lives. And I, I'm seen through a different lens from each person just because of how I've kind of interacted with them and sure. made changes in their lives. And so for me, it's more of just like, let's make sure that I'm at least known for being a good person. Oh, totally. And if that's a good gay person, I'm fine with it, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think we have one last question from Pete Quint on Facebook. How long will the White Claw fad stay? You know what, Pete? That's a great fucking question. Um, I don't think it's going to last much longer. I'm ready for seltzers to be done. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, I, I, 
What I would hate to see is for LaCroix, which is like my lifeblood, to ever go away because that would make me well, a very let sad me just person. distill this down for you. Ooh, just distill, mix, just mix vodka with the Cro- LaCroix. I know, that's exactly. the same thing. Right, no, no, totally. Actually, you know, mix anything with LaCroix. Like, okay, last weekend, actually, Casey was at my house. And uh, we were just like hanging out and having fun. And like, I, I only had red wine and a box of lemon LaCroix. Mm-hmm. Got some news for you. Put red wine in a glass with ice with lemon LaCroix, and you have, my friend, poor man sangria. I can it see actually, that tasting. It good. actually was pretty fucking good. I can see it. But White Claw, like, you know, okay, I've tried all the flavors of it, it's not bad. However, the black cherry is pretty. It's good. a little bit aspartame for me, which is you know whatever. I like diet coke, so I'm cool with it. But also, like, it's not the the thing about it is like, I think everyone drinks it thinking like, oh, it's like it's like zero calories, whatever. <laughs> Actually, it's not, and like, it's not that great. So I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if I guess what I'm saying is like, is this? If you like it, drink it by all means, please do. But do I think this fad is going to last? Not really. No. How do you feel? It's going to go the way of all of the things. Like we used to have Bacardi Silver totally. and Zima right. and Smirnoff Ice and like all these things. They come and go. I think it's just, I think after the summer, the I think after the it. summer, I think we were talking about it earlier, like kind of after the summer and after it starts to get cold again, I think we're going to see their sales go yeah, down. Y'all going to be right back on Guinness and Porter. So just get <laughs> ready for it, baby. It's it's so cyclical though with the with the alcohols. Because totally. just a couple years ago, it, everyone was like shouting from the rooftops about beer and right. craft beer and everything, and then that kind of went away. away. And then everyone was like rosé all day, rosé all day. And I'm like, I've been drinking rosé for ten years, <laughs> right. but it's fine. And now everyone's like, oh, rosé. That there's a lot of sugar in that. Yeah. <laughs> and and, it, you know, it's just an hour to this. Yeah. You know, I think, especially in Chicago, we see it a lot because you know Chicago's a hard drinking city. Um, well, we and go, we get everything, and we get everything, of course. But also, too, like I mean, our winters here you got to understand you got to be a hard-ass motherfucker get through a winter in chicago mm-hmm. it is a some bitch here well and it's not only that not to go out on a diatribe about oh, weather sure. but like it's not only that it's like we walk everywhere we walk everywhere so it's the cold plus walking exactly <laughs> and so like you know all that being said like we take our drinks seriously because we like to like drink to get warm basically we're, we're like russians that way right <laughs> so like you know we we taste it all and so everything comes here, and we see those fads come in and out, and I can see this one coming out pretty soon. I am very surprised, though, how much it's taken over. Uh, me too. Because it's in, like, all the bars now. I mean, you know, every now and then, I don't mind one, but you know what? My sweet ass loves to go back to me to some big old glass of red wine yeah. or a nice, sweet, tasty IPA. I'm more, of a, I'm more of a vodka and mixer. I'm, I, I adjust as, as needed. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but, okay, I think that's all the questions we have for this. That was a fun question. We, we need to do this more often. Yeah, though, it's just tough um, asking people to I get all the questions to that's us. Everyone needs to ask us questions more often yeah. just on your own. Just ask us. Well, and they probably like hearing what we've been watching, bitch, too. Oh, so. oh I, I love what you've been watching, bitch. Well, not this episode. No, it's okay. It's but, right. Okay, I think well, we'll... thanks, everybody. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back to review Event Horizon. Yeah. At 0300 this morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. In Neptune orbit. This is incredible. The Event Horizon. She's come back. 
Horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where's she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. Welcome back. It's time for our horror and media section. And this time, because we're talking about space, I don't think we could do a space episode without talking about Event Horizon. Maddie, why don't you give me a little synopsis and tell me some of the notable cast. Ooh, sure thing. So this is Event Horizon from 1997, which is so long ago now, it's kind of crazy. Um, That's 22 years ago, just so you can clock that in. Um, So the uh, synopsis here. In the year 2047, a group of astronauts are sent to investigate and salvage the long-lost starship Event Horizon. The ship disappeared mysteriously seven years before on its maiden voyage, and with its return comes even more mystery as the crew of the Lewis and Clark discover the real truth behind its disappearance and something even more terrifying. This was uh, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, as Paul Anderson, uh, written by Phil Eisner. Um, great cast, really great cast. Uh, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, uh, Richard Jones, Jack Noseworthy, uh, and of course, Jason Isaacs, Lawrence Fishburne, and the inimitable Sam Neill. Yep. Great film. Um, you know, this is a film that really reminded me of being in high school. Okay. Um, I loved this movie when I was in high school. It scared the ever-living shit out of me when <laughs> I was a kid. Um, I was terrified of it. And I remember seeing it with my best friend back then, Kevin, um, and a couple of our friends. Um, and we, we used to have some taglines that we would say to each other in high school, um, especially near the end of the movie where Sam Neill's character says, do you see? And we would just like walk around the halls going, do you see? All the time. <laughs> Everyone's around you like, what are they talking yeah, about? Like, do you oh, see what? <laughs> there's those nerds again talking about something. Um, so yeah, you know, it was, it was fun to watch again. It's been some time since I watched this. Yeah, for me too. And it was also interesting to see some of the um, some of the years that pop up in the middle, right? So, yeah. like, so at the very uh, start of the movie, when it's fading up from black and sort of like telling you the story of what's going on, the um, the on screen uh, verbiage says, "In 2015, the world's first on moon colony was started for." Uh, for humans. Nope. And I was like, oh, well, that didn't happen, did it? Okay, but back then, it sure seemed like maybe it might. It was funny, though, because if this is only in 97, so they're saying like literally less than 20 years, this is where we're going to be at. Yeah, we weren't quite there yet. Um, but, you know, you know, maybe, maybe not too far away, but it, that was kind of funny to see. And even now, like 2047, can you imagine like, like really? you know, ships like this going out to Neptune? That's crazy. Where they end up to make that happen. Yeah, um, for me with Event Horizon, I was a little late to the game on this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how I missed it when it first came around, really? but um, I didn't see this movie in probably till like the mid 2000s. Um, so, and up until that point, though, I had heard from many people that it was like the scariest movie they had ever seen in their lives. For me, back like, then it was. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's actually pretty damn scary. Um, I, I like the whole kind of like. I don't know, like haunted house in space type sure. of interesting yeah. stuff that they do. Um, there's a couple of, I have a couple of questions. So, and first watching this, I was like, okay, we're going to go to the beacon 
and that they they play kind of like what the the beacon is like the transmission that came right, through right. that they're like oh we, we definitely need to go to that and so literally screaming people right. dying people and they're like oh yeah we should definitely go there oh, let's go there and go see what it is Come that sounds on, great it sounds like a vacation that sounds like fun <laughs> so great there was idea. that and then they get to the ship and they're showing like the in- interior of the ship and i was like was the ship designed by the cenobites yeah seriously <laughs> oh no just by creepy ass sam neil that's all well i did find out it's basically mouth of madness in space well and after thinking that i was like well i want to see if there's any more and any more to this and actually clive barker did have a lot of help in the design of of the ship so that makes total sense sense. well and it also makes total sense when you think about like the slash marks and like the way that bodies are mutilated Mm -hmm. it's very it's very hellraiser so it makes total sense i didn't know that yeah Mm-hmm. Huh. So did he with him? He was kind of like red. consultant, just like type just of total thing. consultant. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, right. yeah. Interesting. That's wonderful. Um, there was a couple parts where I was like, I don't think you're allowed to smoke in space. Yeah, but <laughs> that's okay. I mean, if the atmosphere is controlled, I suppose yes. <laughs> Although I'm no physicist here, so you know, what do I know? Um, and um, weirdest final people to live through a movie ever. Yeah, totally. Because they're totally like the side characters, but. We can get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's an, it's it's um, it was interesting to me watching this again for the first time in a very long time, mostly because like it wasn't as scary to me anymore, which you know happens with films with people, it just does. But then also too, like I kind of felt like eh, this feels maybe a little dated to me, just in terms of like the type of of horror that it was. I actually kind of felt diff- I kind of felt different. Yeah, than that. I kind of felt like it kind of held up pretty well. I mean, it, I don't think it's bad by any means, but. You know, I, I think it was maybe a little bit difficult for me because in context of this episode, we watched this and Sunshine. Yeah. And I think Sunshine is just such a stellar movie. Pardon the pun. Um, but I think it's just so well done. Um, and especially the, like the script is so well done yeah. in Sunshine. And so like I think Event Horizon maybe suffers here and there from just a little bit of like bad script itis just because okay. like it's you know it's big horror film sometimes yeah. there can just be cheesy parts in it well and there's just no way around it sometimes. i think that a lot of that ha- had to do with that this movie was severely tampered with oh, wait, so what do you mean um so the original cut of this movie was um 130 minutes <gasps> it's what? now it's now what 96 minutes i did not know that yeah so um paul ws anderson who's of mortal Kombat fame yeah and who later brought us all the resident evil movies oh my god um, um, he had a vision of this that was so much more bloody, so much more intricate, so much more um, really playing off of each character's fears. Because huh. if you notice in the movie, there are people that really get a lot sure, of their fears, sure. like kind of surface. And then there's like a couple people like, like here's your dead son, like, like here's Jason, your dead wife, you know, like, here's this. For instance, like um, the Jason Isaacs, is that his name? Jason Isaacs. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, his character, um, if you notice when he is being killed, he has like a long a scar on his on his yeah sure on his, on his chest and belly that is apparently like there's a whole story behind that and that's why it's like his biggest fear to be like cut open like he is and like and i guess in the really? original in the original cut his all his organs were going to be out and he was still going to be alive Did, have have you seen like the like the full so cut? that's the weird thing about this is that um paul ws anderson did want to do a new cut of this but when he went to and i don't know if this was just in the article that i was reading or if this is real or not they were being stored in an old salt mine in transylvania 
<laughs> wait, wait. Could you go back and say that part I, fucking again? I, I don't what? know. I don't know if that's right. That's just what it said in the article that I was reading. Um, and apparently all the, the footage was unsalvageable because that's back when we were on film. You've got to like, be kidding yeah, me. Yeah, so that he will never be able to put it So it's all, all together. gone? It's all gone. In a salt mine in Transylvania. Yes. Um, and then... Um, Could somebody out there please phone Dracula's fucking castle and make sure that that's real? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, and the original cut was actually rated NC-17. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, so there might be some dicks in there. Maybe. Huh interesting okay all right i can do um i don't know if you noticed this is just something that stuck out to me but when we at the very beginning of the movie we get a flash to a kid's birthday party yeah for the main like motherly woman yeah sure um th- and they're at a birthday party did you notice anything weird about this birthday party no uh uh-uh. did you not notice the fucking scariest clown on earth in the background no, <laughs> like, uh, no. Just... I, I must have just like kind of glazed over it yeah it was the scariest thing i've ever seen oh my god i'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and look now of um then uh let's see we should probably talk about just death because that's kind of like a, a, one of the big cruxes and of can the we movie talk also how annoying it is that they called him mr justin mr justin it drove me insane throughout the film why and you, I, it just did mr justin just sounds weird to me it's like it's like it's like oh hey mr andrew like no i'm not I'm what not, if that's what i want to be called well not anymore <laughs> um and also like remember when that guy that played him um whatever i just i said his name but i can't remember it now but remember when um that guy used to be in like a lot of things yeah he's like a he's jack been, jack noseworthy he's in a lot of things that like of the of the 90s yeah exactly and he was like kind of like built and like kind of like early 90s sexy in a yeah. weird way yeah but now I'm kind of like, oh, no, go play with Legos kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he um, essentially is one of the first ones. He gets sucked into the portal, the I bla- guess. The black hole, like the like, mini black hole. Yeah, I guess. Um, and he gets he comes out and he's completely like phased, like can't function. Like, And he ends up um, going and saying, you, dark. You, you haven't seen what I've seen. If you've seen what I've seen, then you would want to die too. And he... Um, essentially, I mean, fair enough, girl. Fair enough. I mean, you do you, but um, they try to stop him, but he goes into the airlock. Unauthorized and... <laughs> person on the tracks over here. He goes um, into the airlock and essentially puts himself out in the into the space. Yeah. And Lawrence Fishburne's there to catch him, but the effect there I thought was done really well with uh, the yeah. kind of like slow motion, like blood going. Yeah. But yeah. and then they're like, they kind of are like. Uh, I guess I shouldn't have said death because he didn't die. But um, they're like, well, he's not going to look very good, but he'll live. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, seriously. Like, like, and also, who says that right then? I know. Like, come on. Like, girl, you're under attack by demons from outer space, literally. Like, what is going on? So, yeah, I think um, the theory here, because I, I do think that there's something a little bit lacking in the script because we don't get a full understanding of really what's going on. We're kind of led to believe that there's yeah. there's a there's a chaos a universe and that's basically but you're supposed to kind of interpret it as hell because like like the 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 thing is this is like so event horizon goes out and it goes out to neptune and like uh, the the reactor on the ship the the core the heart of it the scary looking clive barker hellraiser thing like basically what it does is it like folds space in half Mm -hmm. and like it's the same theory as your favorite movie uh, uh, which one? Uh, Interstellar. Oh, I love Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like a wormhole kind of thing, basically. And so, like, the ship goes through a wormhole, and, like, it's everything's fine before, and then, like, it goes away for seven years, a very biblical number. And also, remember the number seven for when we talk about sunshine, too, by the okay. way. Okay. 
Um, but like, you know, it goes away and when it comes back, like the entire ship is haunted. Like it's become something else. It's become alive in a way. And so like, and it knows your fears. Yeah, it knows your fears. It, your wants to, it wants to take you back to the universe of chaos. The only thing that, that, you know, another question about that too is like, okay, so it's like the chaos universe. Like, where do the people come from? Like, where do the people come from to be tortured? Who are the people that are doing the torture? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Those questions are never really answered. It's just sort of like, this thing that exists far off. And I guess that's like, that's one of the, that's, you know, part of the film that I don't like about it now as like a, you know, grown adult is like, I don't like the concept necessarily of hell in space. Okay. Like what, like what, what is it? Like, show me the thing that it is because like religion isn't really a part of this. So like, what is the actual thing thing? I think it's like a, you know what I mean, it's not corporeal. Does, like, that, make, does that make sense? What yeah, I'm trying to say though? But I think what I'm trying to say is like, it's not corporeal. It's not something that you see. It's just something that like plays with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, must it drives be. you insane and not to harp on this too much, but in the original cut, I guess that that scene of, you know how you get the flashes of the people like yeah. kind of getting torn apart show and whatever shit? shows all of it. Oh my And like, God. I guess there was a part where like somebody was like being, um, their teeth being drilled. <gasps> and people pulling people's tongues out he actually hired um sex workers to come on and for for the actual like set like the actual um chaos orgy i guess if you want to call it oh my god so this was gonna be a pretty crazy movie and it got really toned down by the by the production company but i mean i guess like maybe you can kind of understand like oh i get it yeah they were probably like okay listen listen we hired you because you did mortal Kombat. this is a lot of fucking shit this was not in the scope of work my friend this is a lot we're not paying you for this you're getting paid for this and that's it yeah, it it was. Um, it it should be interesting to think like what it could have been. I mean, I I I I sort of do now want to see that full cut. If there's any way, well, we can't, can we? Because it's it's been destroyed in a salt mine in fucking Transylvania, I guess. And we should say that this is trying to make a comeback. What Remember, we read about how they're trying to do a series. For, oh uh, yeah, for this. yeah, yeah. I forget if I it was think, Netflix or Amazon, but it was one of the. I two. think a series could work. Yeah, I mean, it just I think, depends. I think it could work. I mean, you know, do it well, of course. But I think I we've think... kind of already had a lot of shows like that, but yeah. if they maybe take a different angle on maybe it. Maybe not quite as, like, evil as Event Horizon. Like, yeah. We've had plenty of space shows and, like, plenty of, like, you know, weird things happening. Um, but not really, like, evil in space. Yeah, yeah. Like, super I could evil. See it. Like, fucking, like, I'm going to tear you apart and shit. <laughs> Okay. You know, like fucking Sam Neill, Mouth of Madness, coming to fucking get you. Oh, God. We'll maybe have to talk about that movie at some point. I'm loving the Mouth of Madness. It's so good. It's 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 so bad now, but it's also so good. I, um, I, I just think overall Sam Neill's a really strong actor he has one he has yeah. one he has one moment in this that is a little i and Which i one? i thought it was just me but then i started looking on the internet and there's many videos making fun of this say so it, I, I feel better it. it's at the very beginning where he gets um let out of his cryo chamber before everybody else and he sees his wife sitting in the the, the cockpit or whatever and um she turns around and she has no eyes and he just goes oh yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's no, like a very totally. like weird like slow screen. It's it's so gifferific. Yeah. It's like perfect. <laughs> so I've totally been seeing that. like these super cuts of people on but YouTube. But also, I mean, like, come on, Sam Neill, Jurassic Park. I mean, well, come he, on. He, so in the '90s, Sam Neill essentially is I am science guy. Yeah, <laughs> whether he, it's he uh, with everything. dinosaurs or with in on space. <laughs> my 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 pot English accent makes it all better. 
We should say that when um, Event Horizon came out, it was a colossal failure. It cost an approximate, so let's see here. Oh gosh, it only made it only made nine million dollars. <laughs> nine nine million bucks in the in the opening weekend. on a budget of sixty million. Like gross total was twenty six million, so it's really dismal. But I will say that I think that Event Horizon, after it went to like VHS and then eventually DVD, I think it's kind of gained a little bit of a cult, you know, a cult following. And I hear more people talk about it these days. I mean, ninety seven wasn't that the same year as Independence Day, or am I crazy? I thought Independence Day was. Was that earlier? Earlier. 95, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. All I know is that Scream was out in 96. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, like, it it could have been like a space fatigue thing kind of thing. Maybe. Or they just didn't market it right, or... That, that too. I mean, also, like, the motherfucker was scary. Yeah. Like, when that word got out about, like, fucking demons from goddamn space hell, you know, people were probably like, fuck no, girl, I am gonna go watch, you know, fucking, you know, whatever, you know, romantic, <laughs> whatever romantic comedy, comedy is yeah. on right now in 1997, and then go to TGI Fridays <laughs> for, you know, my bourbon chicken. Um, there was a moment in it where I, where the, the reaction was so non-reaction that I was like, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? Which part? When they go into the main part of the ship, and there's literally just, like, blood and, like, guts <laughs> and everything up on the windows, and they're just like, oh, but I wonder yeah. what happened. And it's like it's like a hanging down from the ceiling in, like, little parachutes. Yeah. And you're like, how can you not be looking at this right now? <laughs> there's literally, like, Are blood. Are you not a little more concerned? Yeah, blood and human parts all around you, and you're like, oh, then let's uh, get this capacitator to full speed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, what, where are we? And I did find it weird that, okay, so if Sam Neill is the one that designed and built this whole thing, why wasn't he on the first mission? Don't you want the guy that runs it? That's or is that question. like a liability issue if like, it doesn't work, nobody else knows how to... I mean, because maybe he wasn't like an astronaut. He, but he, know, he's like, not an astronaut he's, now. He's like a designer, but like, you know, like he's not like, ooh. What I do like no about... No spacewalks for me. What I do like about this movie is that None of the characters, um, except for maybe one that I can think off of the top of my head, make like colossally bad decisions. Like they're just kind of thrust into this. Yeah, I mean they're just like they're just like all the fun. Like suddenly they are literally thrust into hell. Right. And like, but it's oh, not. Oh, it's not. Here? And I'll, I'll harp on this when we talk about sunshine. It's not about like making a decision to go do something else that wasn't right, part of sure. the mission. Yeah. Um. And then uh, the only other thing is the the, the one thing that does not work for me in this movie yeah. is the comedic side. When they I try to make those jokes towards the end. So hard. It's so that dumb. character just doesn't work. It cheapens everything the thrills. that you do. And you don't need to do that. Yeah, I agree. It's just, just like the only thing yourself. that really didn't work for me. I hate I hate cheap jokes. I hate cheap writing. I'm not yeah. into it. Okay. Anything else you would like to talk about with Event Horizon. I mean, no. I, I, you know, I think you know if you haven't seen Event Horizon before, it might it might be pretty scary for you for your first watch. Yeah, you know, there is some scary shit that fucking happens. I here, guess man. The- it's like it's like when you watch Hellraiser for the first time, and this is nowhere near that, of course. But you know, it's fucking freaky. Yeah, totally. And we, sh- I guess, we should say that the his whole. Um, his his guilt, Sam Neill's guilt, yeah. revolves around all around his wife, and right. because he worked instead of was with his wife, she committed exactly. suicide. So yeah. just kind of hard getting back. Yeah, to they that all they all have guilt as the basis of their fear, and a lot of them are about like leaving someone. Yes, yeah, totally. So totally human to human. Okay, so what do you give human event event horizon out of seven stripes? Because yeah. here at Friday the Thirteenth, we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the rainbow. I'm not going to like be too harsh on it. 
Um, you know, you know, so notwithstanding the the criticisms that we've had of it tonight, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Okay. I'm a little higher. I think it's it held I think it holds up. I think it's got some really good uh scares and chills. Sure. I was still like a little bit tense at certain points. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. I think that's a totally fair fair uh rating and from me too. I think, you know, together that makes a lot of sense for yeah. both of us. Okay, I guess we will take a quick break, and we will be right back to review Sunshine. Put on your sunglasses. Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction. Sixteen months ago, I, Robert Kappa, and a crew of seven left Earth frozen in a solar winter. Our mission, reignite the sun before it's too late. Welcome to Icarus 2. So if you wake up one morning, and it's a particularly beautiful day, you'll know we made it. Welcome back, folks. And we are here with our second movie for today's episode, tonight's episode, for this episode, whatever. Um, And we're talking about uh, the movie Sunshine Sunshine. from 2007, 10 years after the movie we just discussed, Event Interesting. And to bring it on in with a good synopsis and talking about some notable cast members is Andrew Huff right here. <laughs> Thank you. Bring it on. Come on. Wonderful. Bring it on, Andrew. Wonderful bring it on, baby. Give it to us. Um, so Sunshine from 2007, 50 years into the future. Sorry, let me try that again. 50 years into the future, the sun begins to die. And Earth is dying as a result. I'm it's so I'm so tired I can't read. <laughs> uh, a team of astronauts is sent to revive the sun. But when that mission fails, 7 years later, a new team of astronauts is sent to finish the mission as mankind's only last hope. It stars Cliff Curtis, Chipo Chong, uh we have Cillian Murphy, Michelle Yeoh, Hiro, Hiro, Hiroyuki Sonata, damn it, Rose Byrne, one of my favorite actresses, Benedict Wong, and the ever-so-cute Chris Evans. Truly, he's really cute in this one, actually. Captain America himself, saving the world. I think he's better looking in this one than any, to be honest. I'll be really honest about it. interesting. He's real hot in this. Okay, um, so Sunshine. Um, this was directed by Danny Boyle. Love Danny Boyle. So if you if you don't know any of his other movies, he did movies like um, Twenty Eight Days Later, Train Spotting, lots of good stuff. So let's see what he can do with a little space action. Uh, my my history with Sunshine is that I'm actually one of the few people that did see it in the theater because really, yeah, I I really liked Twenty Eight Days Later, so I followed him pretty closely. Oh, and that came out before this. Yeah, and when I I saw and when I saw yeah. that this was coming out and it looked like kind of I, at the at the moment I wasn't sure if it was pure sci-fi or if it was going to go a horror route in, at some point but I knew I wanted to see it. So went to the theater, saw it, loved it and then immediately bought it when it came out on DVD at the time and have revisited it a couple times. Um it's probably been my my revisit of like I'd say probably like 10 years. Uh you know, I I had not seen it. Never in your life? Never. You've never seen this movie? I I thought that I had, because there are a few other films called Sunshine. I completely went into this thinking that you had already seen this. I hadn't seen it. Oh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I hadn't seen it. 
And there's, um, you know, it's interesting because there's another, there's a Holocaust film actually called Sunshine. Oh, was that uh, what you thought we were going to watch? No, no, I, I knew it wasn't that one. But there was there was another film called Sunshine that I thought maybe I, I had seen, but it turns out that this was just nothing nothing like it. Um, and the the Holocaust film called Sunshine uh, has Rafe Fiennes in it. It's it's absolutely wonderful. It's about Sonnenschein, a company that's owned by by a Jewish family throughout the throughout many different uh, eras. Yada yada yada. Um, this film I really thought was wonderful. Um, I love Danny Boyle. I'm a huge Train Spotting fan. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's definitely a very beautiful. Movie. Oh my god, this is, it's a beautiful film. It's it's um, the the the. The technology and the interfaces that they created for it were really incredible, I thought. Yeah, did you know that um, the CGI that they used in The Sun was the most complex CGI thing they had ever done out of the film studio that they worked with? Wow, I mean, that honestly, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's it, it had to be incredibly complex and challenging to make the brightness thing work. And like when they're on the observation deck within this ship that is, you know, you know, barreling towards the sun, carrying a payload of a nuclear bomb that's going to go off in the sun and like sort of restart the star. Yeah, in a way. it's going to make a star within a star. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty incredible. And like it really does make you think like how bright the sun actually gets. You know, there's this thing on this ship that they're on. And does the ship have a name? Icarus. The Icarus oh, the 2. Icarus, the Icarus 2, yes, because Icarus. Do you know about Icarus? I do. The Greek mythology of Icarus. And what happened to Icarus? So they were in a prison, right? Correct? Uh-huh. And um, they made wings out of wax. Uh-huh. His son, the son and the father. Yep. And they flew away, but his, but the... Um, who, who flew cl- too close to Well, the, the father said, you know, don't get carried away. These wings are made out of wax. And uh-huh. the son was so enthralled with the... Uh, uh, flying that he flew a little too high and the wings melted and he fell yep. and died. So Icarus flew too close to the sun and this ship is designed to do just that. Mm-hmm. It's designed to basically, it's a suicide mission. It's a kamikaze. Well, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would guess it's probably, it's, it's sort of a little bit like Interstellar, I would guess, right? Like where it's like, you know, you tell your crew, yeah, no, you're going to be able to get out of there just fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah. everyone kind of knows, like, listen, we're probably going to die on this motherfucker. Yeah. Like, we're delivering a nuclear bomb to the the hottest thing known to man. Well, all I know... Probably going to die. All I remember is that they say within the movie that, you know, the Icarus will... The Icarus 2 will have four minutes to get out of the blast zone. So that sure. led me to believe that there was a kind of Which an escape route. could very well be it. But then we also get kind of some of these lines that are like, okay, well, we have, like, 75% of the... The oxygen to yeah. get back to earth so like I, I don't know i think that they kind of knew that there was a lot of risk involved yeah. but there was a planned mission i i think there, there's a lot of interesting things about this film and that there are some things that i really love about it you know one of the things that i really love is that i'm a big sucker for post-apocalyptic films sure so like mad max that kind of thing i love post-apocalypse but even more, I think I, I love even more pre-apocalypse. Because sure. the thing about post-apocalyptic films is that you usually don't know fully, like, okay, you were in this very interesting world where something bad happened, yeah. but what happened? Right. Pre-apocalyptic films like this one, show you, you don't, like, now you see, like, okay, this is what is happening before, like, something terrible might happen. Um, and so I, I just love that. I love being able to see sort of like Interstellar, once again, one of my favorite films of all time. Like you see what's actually going on. You know what precipitates the great sure. fall. 
Um, and I just loved seeing it in this. I especially love the end, you know, because, um, you know, in, in the end, they are it, eventually successful. The, mm-hmm. the, the payload is delivered after much effort and after much, you know, carnage and terrible things happening. They deliver the nuclear bomb to the sun. The sun, you know, re- you, you're led to believe restarts itself. And then on Earth, which is in a solar winter, so right. everything's covered in snow right now, you see the dim sun suddenly become bright again. Yeah. And it shines over all of Earth and it's like this, like kind of, kind of really beautiful moment uh, in the end, really touching, really, really sweet. Um, and you see one of the astronauts' uh, sons and and his wife, you know, walking through a field, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's the sun. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty intense stuff. What's interesting about this too, I thought, as a film, you know, especially in the age where we are now of climate change is that the film is not about climate change. Right. Right? So the film is is about something totally external to Earth, right. but not aliens, causing something disastrous for Earth. Right. Though it's not aliens, it's not climate change, it's literally the star. It's not man. It's just going it. out. Yeah. And so what do you do with that? And the film, you know, going back to like moral quandaries again, it's, you know, okay, so what do we do here? You know, the 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 Icarus one when it when it goes off course when it gets lost or you know so we're led to believe and it turns out it was just their captain or whoever that guy was I forget, I forget exactly who he was he was the now. captain he was yeah. the captain um you know he's actually the one who like heard voices you know such that it told him hey actually this is God doing this you're not allowed to interfere to, to interfere and in, in, or meddle with that and, and essentially know, they become a cult on their own exactly on their own ship right. And so, you know, it's something actually to think about. Like, the sun is going to do what the sun is going to do. You know, will man succeed if you go in and try to fuck with, you know, a giant star that's at the center of your solar system? Right. Who knows? So it is, you know, what seems to be sort of like a very simple um, scenario of a horror film, uh, you know, albeit, you know, a sci-fi horror film, turns into a bigger question. Mm -hmm. You know, when natural things happen... Do we interfere or do we let them happen as they're supposed to? Yeah, totally. Um, some of the things that I really appreciated about this movie is, of course, like the design of the whole thing, the design of the whole uh, spaceship. It's beautiful. And like the gardens and they have like that's what's making the oxygen. And it's just they do a really good job of like setting the scene and I like agree. making you. And I guess one of the things that I found out is that Danny Boyle made all these actors live together for a certain amount of time. How, so, do you know how long? I don't, it didn't say. It just said that he made them all live together so that they would have like a communal feeling like they've been on this ship for that's a long time. Really interesting. So, um, it so worked. That, yeah, it worked. no, I totally. Um, the color scheme is really interesting in this movie, um, just because you deal with all the brightness and the darkness and the green and then like the gold and everything. Um, there are a couple of things that, um, I mean, you can't have a space movie without people making bad decisions. Of course. <laughs> um, but I, it was, it was just so. This movie, I think, is a visually stunning. I think that it it, it it's a really good story. Yeah. Um, I think that it feels a little unbalanced for me just because the first 75% of the movie is one kind of movie, and then it kind of morphs into a different movie after I, that. I would agree with you on this. So it, it feels it, a little it, it unbalanced. It suddenly turns into a monster movie. Like a slasher movie yeah. almost, yeah. yeah. Which I'm not, I'm not opposed to. It just it felt a little tonally weird to see this i i I wonder if he could have introduced elements of it throughout the film like earlier instead of all and maybe like you know like he doesn't like the killer isn't all of a sudden there all the time but like are there ways that you could have peppered this in a little differently yeah i don't know 
I don't know. Um, but um, I think all the characters are really well written yeah. uh, and really well acted. All the, the script is really good. The part where it starts to, I don't and, and it was only on this watch really, because I don't know if I'm looking at things with just a more critical eye knowing that we're doing the show. But this time around, I just felt the decision making and the logic of the crew was a, just a little weird. So like there for there's a moment where they're like okay they get a signal beacon from the Icarus one oh my god could they still be alive of course they can't be because it's been seven years but that's fine sure um, and they're like well should we go to it uh, and the, the, everyone's like uh, no except for like a couple people are like yeah we should see if they're okay and I'm like no we're not doing it for that that's not the reason we're gonna yeah. do this but then they come up with this thing where the what is this a physicist is he a physicist yeah basically. He's uh does this little role play For, thing yeah, formula and it says that it's got like a what like a 47 percent chance of succeeding right. with their current payload and then they come they deduce that like oh if we had a second payload like we would definitely like we'd have a better chance of restarting sure. it that's kind of the crisis that they go into they're like well i guess we're gonna go to that ship but in my logical brain i'm just like how about you go and launch that 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 payload get away if that doesn't work then you can go back sure like right. you know what i mean like because just, like keep on your track man. Assen- essentially the icarus one was outside of the blast zone because yeah. they weren't in, in in enough to uh launch their payload right so it's just like no that no stay with the mission because it, that's what and ultimately that's what sets this kind of series of misfortunes that happen so we get the you know we get the turn and the guy who controls like the the ship that he forgets to reset the shields because they're going to be facing the sun differently we have a few panels that go missing the captain and celine murphy's character go out to fix these panels right right. and this part kind of annoyed me too because i was like he essentially the captain essentially sacrifices himself to fix the final panel and i'm like is one panel going to make a difference apparently yeah i'm just like you had to you had to die for this exactly or maybe we maybe you go away we can reset it again and then you can go back out and fix it there's just like a certain things that i'm just like sure why are they are they i thought these people were like the smartest astronauts in the world why are they making these dumb decisions it's frustrating definitely is is. frustrating truly frustrating um i'm trying to think if there was any oh i thought it was i thought it was really strange that the communications officer was second in command yeah, like something happened there, right? Like, like he, he is the the communications yeah, officer. Right. It doesn't he, usually go that way. He should just be writing copy in a back room right. somewhere. You know right. what I mean? Like, uh, I I don't know why that particular thing had a title like that. Yeah, that's that's strange. I do love when they go onto the Icarus One and they get sabotaged, and the airlock yeah. is is not they can't get out. It's terrifying. And there's only one spacesuit, so they deduce that. You know, one guy has to stay to open the valve, and then we're gonna wrap ourselves in like the the innards, the, the innards of like the of the spaceship, and go across, and supposedly like negative two hundred forty seven degrees. I mean, like it's it, that's like it wouldn't work. Well, I like. Guessing. Well, I can't. That's a part of the movie that I like is that it doesn't work. Like they try with the best, but then they lose. They lose one guy completely. He goes out, which is and he just like goes well, off, which is terrifying, terrifying. When he opens his eyes and he just like freezes yeah. over, and then and he that, goes out and gets burned up by know, the sun. Speaking of that, that's another thing that I that I read today that was like, oh, that's another terrifying thing about space. Is you know, if you were just a person floating, you would float forever, yeah, until you came across literally anything right anything anything at all 
Well, he, he gets burned up. He gets burned up by the sun, ever. so yeah, it's I mean, fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he, the, the sun hits him, and he like literally pops. But even so close to. But it. even the Chris Evans character, um, he even gets like severe, like basically you're gonna lose your thumb, yeah, kind exactly. of frostbite, like, like frostbite. Yeah, yeah. And and his whole thing, it's interesting with his character because he kind of plays like the the bro of the ship. Like he's kind of the, always the one that's like got the toxic masculinity yeah, right. and everything. And um, he it, he has this constant running thing in this movie where he is always the one having to go into the cold like he always has to he has huh. to go into like the cold a good outside he has to go into the he dies going into the um to fix the mainframe yeah. coolant um there's i'm trying to think of what else i think rose burns great in this movie. i could have kept him warm <laughs> i'm sure you could i could have <laughs> um i think the whole cast is good here so basically what happens is they go to the icarus one um it we find out that essentially a cult happened on this ship and they all sacrifice themselves to the sun except for the captain who's like like severely burned to the point where he he doesn't even look human anymore exactly um, like his skin is literally falling off and we have a moment where uh, i kind of skipped over this but the guy who was responsible for the death of the captain uh, we are led to believe and i i still don't know i'm i'm thinking that it was suicide yeah sure um because there's there's a, a theory out there they're like is it suicide or was it the captain coming in make, making it look like suicide it was suicide i think so too but um that's like kind of running theory i out mean there what's in the world. what's what's the case for 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 the fake suicide here just be, so that they don't know that he's on the ship essentially uh, I, I think it's suicide. I, th- I think that that guy felt really guilty yeah um and so then at that at this point oh there is one part that i wanted to point out that i really loved cinematography wise yeah. when they first go on to the icarus one they have these moments where they kind of flash pictures then they flash pictures of the um of the original uh, astronauts like, that were on the Icarus. like it's like, it's like the crew together at like, at like a party celebrating and it's only like when the flashlight goes across the yeah. screen or something it's, and it's like a flash and I just think that's I've never seen that done that, like that it's, before it's jarring yeah because I, I was I was looking and I was like oh oh yeah oh, 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 oh. but then and then like you you realize oh yes I've seen this photo before yeah you know a few scenes earlier it's the team it was, photo it was the team photo of everyone smiling yeah and so it's it is interesting to see it that way again because it reminds you ah yes. These are the people that we're looking at in this, you know, dead ship. Mm -hmm. Here are the dead people. They used to be smiling with the crew that I already know. And essentially, it it, it works very well. And essentially, what happens is um, the captain kind of goes around and sabotages a bunch of stuff because he doesn't want him to succeed. Right. And then it essentially turns into a slasher movie for like twenty five minutes. Yeah, and it's Um, crazy and chasing and crazy geography within the actual like space station itself <laughs> it's just like it's, it's a it's an insane film. one guy i did want to talk about is the um psychologist who is obviously the most insane person on the yes, ship totally <laughs> but um he essentially wants like the best tan ever because he doesn't stop going into this observation deck and at the point of his death he literally has like blisters and peeling lips oh, and yeah, i'm just like totally dude you don't you don't you don't need to be tan in space you gotta stop it man <laughs> no one cares <laughs> exactly stop but he's like he i think that if they were to kind of keep going on the mission the way they were he may have developed some um some like kind of tendencies like the other captain oh, did sure. yeah, he's yeah. like obsessed with it um but that's here now there you know there um i agree uh let's see here i'm trying to think if there's I anything think there's else. some interesting stuff here with sevens okay and so you know we saw seven in an event in event horizon the ship was missing for seven years uh you know the in in this film sunshine that the ship was also missing for seven years seven is a very biblical number Especially in the Old Testament, yeah. you know, there are seven days of creation, seventh day of rest. 
Um, for 7 years they will have nothing but famine. For 70 years they will have this. 70 times 7. I mean 7 is literally all over the Bible in the way, same way that like 3 is all over the Bible. Um and and especially in like apocalyptic senses. And so I think that numbers were a way that the uh the ancient Hebrews made sense of of life mm-hmm. around them. And it's not surprising to me when I see numbers like this in storytelling because um, it's been a natural part of how humans tell stories for a long time. So it was just interesting to me to see all these really like biblical numbers throughout, you know, throughout this film and throughout Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty cool to see. And ultimately, and it's a good. It's especially a good use in sunshine, I think. And ultimately, in the end, I mean, after everyone has kind of been killed or died, it comes down to kind of just Rose Byrne and Cillian Murphy, yeah. and she is pretty much on her. She's pretty much like on her last leg, I guess, because there's also an air supply issue. So like, yeah, and they're fighting and stuff. And I, I also thought that was kind of funny when um, Chris Evans attacks Cillian Murphy, but oh, but it, there's not enough air for them to be toxic yes, masculine. Totally. <laughs> so right. they just exactly. like have an asthma attack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was like air took down toxic masculinity. Exactly, totally. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then essentially, he goes in there and he finally gets to you know release the payload and it goes in and like you said earlier, we see some shots from. And I think that part's really really beautiful where yeah. kind of the the new stars coming at him. I don't know how realistic because I feel like if sure. it was the same degree as the sun, he'd be like burned up as like right away. Yeah. <laughs> but it was for cinematographic. Huh. That's not a word. <laughs> Cine- c- cinem- uh, Cinematography sakes. Sure. Um, but um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with Sunshine, but I think we gave it a pretty good once over. I mean, I think I think that's it for me. Oh, I think the score is really good. Score, I meant to bring that up. The score is fantastic. And, yeah. not, and not a surprise from Danny Boyle. Like, Danny Boyle takes music seriously. Did you notice, though, at the end of both movies, there was like a... Uh, like a techno number of or course. something. I'm like, what? This is oh, you mean sense. the prodigy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Rest in peace. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, it, entirely. Um, I, I think sunshine's marvelous. I really do. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I, I think it's really great. I think it's, um, you know, it's not fun by any means, but it's, it's like, um, it's sad, but hopeful. It's, it's a good, you know, once again, pre-apocalyptic story. It yeah. really is. Cool. Well, totally. what do you, what do you give it out of your seven stripes? You know, I'm not going to go too crazy here, but I'll give it a five and a half. Okay, I, th- I think it's a great film. I think that's exactly where I was at. I'm yeah. like five and a half ish. If if there was a little bit more um, logical decision making, totally I think I would be up on it more. Yeah. But um, it's pretty. It's a pretty good film. I am with you on that. Okay, well, let's take our final break, and we'll come back to do hottie of the episode. Hottie, get hot, get hot, hottie. Shante, you stay. 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 Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Welcome back. It's time to close out episode 21. Yes, Close that's... your door. Get out of our house. What? Get out. It's over. <laughs> Get out. Um... No, it's been a it's been a great episode, and we are here to do our final segment and then close out the show. So we are going to be doing hottie of the episode, hottie of the episode, hot, hot, hottie of the episode. And if you can't figure out what that is, we literally look at all of our our characters in this uh, episode uh-huh. and we pick the hottest one to superficially. Us. Who who do we want to have sex with? <laughs> yes. Basically, yes, perfect, perfect. Yeah. You want to go first? You want me to? Um, I want you to go first. Okay, I think mine will be no surprise 
that I am going with Chris Evans from Sunshine uh-huh. playing Mace. Um, he's not like the best character in that movie, no, but God, I'm, no. I'm not going to give up the opportunity to do it with Chris yeah. Evans. So listen, I've got some news for you. Um, I've also picked Chris Evans. Oh, cheater. No, but no, it's not a pumpkin it's not, eater. It's, it's not a cheat because listen, I, I honestly did survey everybody in Event Horizon before we started recording tonight. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to fuck anybody in that film. Um, I, I, listen, if I was to have a second place, uh-huh. it would be Jason Isaacs. I mean, fair enough. But listen, back to Chris Evans, if we will. <laughs> Chris Evans, I, I I think he's a very handsome dude. Yeah, and I, I, I there is like one meme that I've seen. It's like Chris Evans throughout the years, like some blessed soul. Yeah, put together like the last twenty years of Chris Evans's faces. Um, listen, this is peak Chris Evans. Like he is looking fine in this film. I. And he barely even looks that fine. Like, he just like does it naturally. Right. There's just like something about like, like the way his hair is cut, the way his face I was looks. so happy in Sunshine at because at the beginning he has like the worst haircut ever. Yeah. And somebody's like, Take get a haircut. And I'm like, yeah. Thank God. And, and he just he looks like great in this. And mm-hmm. so yeah, you wanna know what? Give me the give me the cake, baby. I want the cake of that Chris Evans from 2007. I have uh, had a thing, and I've been following Chris Evans ever since. Not another teen movie. You do love you do love you, Chris <laughs> Evans. You do. It's just the thing. It is, and true. I think he's only getting better with age. So. I mean, yeah, motherfucker looks good. Yeah. So I'm I'm fine with that. So, so yeah, we, we are have, here for you, Chris Evans. If you are listening, we both selected the same hottie. The episode. and we also like your gay brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this hasn't happened to us. I don't think ever in the history of Friday the Thirteenth. We have different. We have much different tastes. It, in the past 35 years of our podcast, <laughs> 35 years, this is our 35th year we've been going. Um, so in all that history, God, that, we've only got, t- we've only got 21 episodes in 35 years. <laughs> I was, I was two years old when we started this. We're a know? once a year podcast. <laughs> you know, it, and it is what it is. You know, we may be 87 now, but listen, Chris Evans will always be 31. Yeah. So thank you. Chris in our Evans. hearts. In our hearts. You, you truly, you truly are America's ass. Did you just hear how ridiculous <laughs> I am? I, I, I chose what age you're going to be, and I chose. Ah, yes, you're 31. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. All right. Um, I think that that will do it for Hottie of the episode, and, and we you want know to what? take the, some time to close out the show. Yeah, this is this is a good episode. Yeah, um, I liked it. You know, not to judge our own work, but listen, space is cool. Yeah, and space is fucked up, and we did it. I did like when we first brought this idea up. I was like. Can this work? Like, without yeah. talking about aliens. Well, it did. Yeah. But um, I think we want to do a couple little shout-outs. So, we had something happen for the first time, Maddie. What for was the that? very first time ever. What, what was that? We were actually sent a screener. But, like, a real screener from, like, a real studio. From Lionsgate. And, like, don't get me wrong, people out there that have sent us stuff before. Yes, your stuff is real. But this we is like get it. this is like distributed. Yeah, this is like a Hollywood studio sent us a thing. Yeah, that that's pretty cool for us. So the movie that we were sent was called Rock Paper Scissors. Wow. Okay. Um, it's actually I I didn't look into it before we got the screener, but it actually um it, it was directed by Tom Holland and not Tom Holland of Spider Man, but Tom Holland of such movies as Child's Play. Okay. As Fright Night. Huh. Uh, as thinner. Oh, like wow. Like a lot of movies that he's done that I was like, oh, this this might be good. And then it was written by, um, vi- co-written by Victor Miller, okay. which Victor Miller is the writer of the original Friday the 13th. Exactly. So I'm like, wow, this is like something. And it had, um, it even had Michael Madsen of um, Kill Bill fame. Okay. Um, it had Maureen McCormick 
Okay. Do you know who that is? Uh, what was she in? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Oh, my She's God, the original yes. Marsha Brady. Jesus Christ. Um, and Tatum O'Neill, which is a name that oh you should all know. Oh, my God. Tatum yeah. O'Neill. So Jesus. I, was, I went into this. It's about a guy who huh. was a killer when he was younger. Ryan and then, O'Neill? What? Ryan O'Neill? <laughs> what are you talking I'm about? Joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that one went over my head if it was a joke. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. So he essentially is a murderer who plays a game, a deadly game of rock, paper, scissors with oh his God. victim. And if he wins, he kills you. But guess what? <laughs> he cheats. So. Well, what, what, what if you win? You don't because he cheats. <laughs> you can't cheat. <laughs> yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. But um, he gets caught and then goes into an insane asylum for a number of years. Oh, wow. Is rehabilitated. And this is like his story of like going back out into the world. Huh. Um, why they would let him out? Well, I don't know. Well, I think he's earned his way out with so, good works. So, and he then reads the Bible. Next, who moves in next door? But the victim's sister, of course. So she's kind of like bitch. Got to die. And then it, from there, it's kind of a like um, it's kind of a play between like, is he crazy yeah. or are they making him crazy? Right, right, right. And then there's a side story where he thinks he has a twin. Yeah, and it, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Um. You know, if you're really hardcore into horror and you're trying to see everything, sure, seek it out. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's it's going to go to streaming eventually, of I'm course, sure. Yeah. So I would maybe wait for streaming because, I mean, it's an indie movie. It's low budget. Um, it's okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like fun. It's okay. I'm going to look forward to seeing it. You can take the screener home with you. Okay, per- I will. Yeah. I will. Um, okay. And then I think we just have a couple people to thank. Of yes, course, we yes, always yes. want to thank our, our wonderful podcast network, Legion Podcast. Thank you, Legion. You guys are awesome. Thank and you, you've, Bo you've, you've put us through a lot. Um, and uh, we also had another thing happen to us that's going to be we probably did. coming out soon after this recording. Yeah, a lot of fun. We got contacted by a, uh, a pretty... Uh, you know, a pretty well-known rag here in Chicago called Windy City Times, WCT. Uh, Windy City Times is one of the quintessential LGBT uh, news sources really in the country. Um, and so we had a great chat today, a great interview with Melissa Wasserman, um, reporter at WCT, a journalist there. Um, and we had a really great discussion. Yeah. And, you know... Um, Melissa reached out to us um, on her own. Came through that email that you can email us at, Friday13 at gmail.com. Friday13 at gmail.com. And we just had a blast having a really wonderful discussion. But it was really cool that we like, they reached out to us. Yeah, we were so surprised. We loved it. So, So, you know, know, Melissa, if you're listening to this now, thank you so much. And for our listeners out there right now, we we will get this out to you as soon as it becomes available to us. So look look forward to that. We had a lot of fun today recording that. And of course, this will be our last episode before we go to horror hound weekend. Horror hound. so look for us in indianapolis if you're going to be there please yes. give us a shout out you know either dm us on twitter or send that's, us an email that's all you got to do is just dm us and we guarantee you we will meet you somewhere for a drink yeah for sure like we're not like going out of town don't get me wrong we're going to be in indianapolis by the thing yeah but if you're at horror hound if you're close by let us know you got to come see us we'd love to see you and then finally, as we always ask for, the only payment that we ever hope for from you, our dear listeners, is that you give us a review uh-huh. on wherever you listen. Yes. Where it would be most helpful, of course, is on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, we are still six measly reviews away from our summer goal of 200. Please help us Please. get to 200. All you have to do is go there and just click the stars. Just click it. Click the stars. Write something if you can, but that's it. So I think we've had a great time today. 
We did. Talking about space. We really did. And the final frontier. And now I'm going to get in my spaceship. I'm going to take my ass home. And I'm going to remember that even in space, there's always time to get get slayed. slayed.